As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to On The Ball, the Norwich City podcast that would never defecate inside anyone's handbag. It was billed on this podcast last week as the week of pumpings, and to no one's huge shock and surprise, other than maybe Liam Gallagher, uh, Norwich City took a bit of a pumping at Anfield. But we'll always have the memories, Gibson finally scoring and then assisting at the wrong end, Science turning Virgil van Dijk into Dick van Dijk. Barnes turning himself into David Beckham and the many, many ill-advised attempts to play out from the back. Our panel will share whether we learned anything at all and ask if anyone at ITV can remember who else took part in the Klopp farewell tour against Liverpool on Sunday. Plus transfer window madness with the possibility of meaningful deals going through in January. It'll never catch on. Will Ida be a gentleman of Verona by the end of the month? Are we going to give We Joe another We Go? And won't somebody please think of the children? Napa's youth first policy is already called into question just one window in. We will cast our eye ahead to what might just be the biggest game of the season so far on Saturday. We'll quiz it up again, briefly touch on Leeds. And if we get bored of talking about two defeats, there's always Maidstone, John Walk, Ed Sheeran, John Constable and that bloke from Busted. Your boys took a hell of a beating. I'm Steve Sanders, a.k.a. at MCFC Numbers. And following the reuniting of uh, the wedding pals Klopp and Wagner, I'm delighted to be joined by On The Ball's best man and maid of honour. Uh, which implies that there's some sort of wedding going on. Uh, that's where the analogy falls down, I think. Um, but firstly, when you're looking for a positive spin and Tom Hartley, Jack Leach and Joe Root aren't available, who do you turn to? That's right. It's Zoe Morgan. Zoe, hello. How are you? Hi, Steve. I am good. Thank you. Feeling suitably chastened from our two pumpings, but uh, feeling glad <laughs> to not be an Ipswich fan as ever, but particularly glad this weekend, I think. Yeah, I feel like they they set the standard kind of very low for what we had to. The bar was low for what we had to get over this week, um, and and we just about cleared it. I think. Oh, we just, we cleared it by a long way. Yeah, I mean, we scored twice. I think that's that's about as good as you know. It's certainly better than what they did. So I'm happy enough. Yeah, 
And that concludes our analysis on the Liverpool game. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> It'll do. <laughs> uh, and after last week, uh, they are calling him the man of a thousand voices. Well, he's, he's got at least two anyway. Uh, it's Buttons himself, uh, Mr. Ryan Livermore. Ryan, good evening to you. Good evening. I will spare everyone the voice for another week, but I hope everyone's doing well. Uh, I'm very happy that it was it was more of a, a pump and a half than two pumpings than the week. So lots to dissect, hopefully. Yeah, I think I think you may have overplayed the pumpings. I mean, one and a half. That's still a that could still be defined as a plural, I think. So let's let, you know, we've we've put it behind us now, and uh, we we can only have one as a maximum for the week ahead. A- actual pumpings lower than X pumpings, I would say. <laughs> Yeah, we've come in lower than our XP, um, which is, I mean, we're way ahead of our XG uh, at the moment this season. But um, so so we've reversed the trend. Anyway, that's by far the earliest anyone's mentioned XG on this pod. Um, so I'll try not to do that again. Um, right. OK, well, um, as we've, we've done the pleasantries. So uh, it's time for a surprise headline act. Woo-hoo. Uh, yeah, we're normally uh, fairly uh, standard with our headline acts, um, but so far this month we have uh, treated the January transfer window with the utter contempt that it deserves. Until now, yes, we have switched it up, <laughs> and uh, normally at this point we would talk about the game, uh, but there might just be a transfer brewing at Colney that might be consequential. Um, Adam Eder has reportedly agreed a move to uh, Hellas Verona, who currently sits 16th in Syria. Uh, the transfer is believed to be a loan initially for the rest of the season, with an option to buy at the end of the season for around €3 million, Euros, which is about £2.5 million. Pounds. Um, as we understand it, uh, what local reports are saying online, uh, Norwich City will only let Ida leave if they're able to find a replacement by Thursday's deadline. So it's actually quite exciting at the end of January for once. Um Zoe, it's it's kind of rare that you get a transfer that splits the fan base, but um, kind of from what I can tell, this one does seem to be 50-50 between kind of let them go and (laughs) what are we doing? Um, So where do you think you're uh, sitting on this one at the moment? I suppose he's a a player that splits the fan base um, all the time anyway. I think he's a, a bit of an enigma, which is what probably leads me to thinking it's time to let him go. I think the fact that we don't really know if he's a good player, if he's good enough to be in our team, all of those things after all these years that he's played for Norwich City, are we ever going to really know? And it feels like it's hard not to just think, well, good on him if he is going to get a move um, and hopefully some more regular football. Because I think until he starts playing more regularly, maybe he won't even know sort of what his level is, what his potential is, um, his standard. He can't get into our side. Um, you know, Sargent is very much first choice. It seems like Barnes on his own up top is second choice. That's probably not a situation he wants to be in. And I kind of feel like we've we've messed him around too long. I think, you know, the fact that he's not been out on loan has really not been ideal for him and his career. Um, and it, it kind of feels like at the moment, you know, that sort of 
goalkeepers that don't ever get their sort of chance to be number one and are destined to be someone's substitute goalie for for the rest of their lives. He kind of feels like he's he's like destined to be the number three striker somewhere for the rest of his life at this stage. So, yeah, I feel like it would be sad to see him go and also a bit concerning in terms of what we might replace him with. Um, But the idea that he could get out there, spread his wings and maybe just change the path that he's on at the moment um, a little bit. I think he probably needs that for his career. Yeah, and I mean, even our sub-goalie got a got to run out at Anfield from the start, but, but Ida didn't, um, despite the fact that Ian Wright uh, thought he did before the game. But we'll we'll come on to we'll come on to them. Um, Ryan, I'm going to put you on the spot straight away. Um, how many appearances do you think Adam Ida has made for Norwich City? I mean, you know, as you'll be quizzing us later, I feel like it's only fair to, to put spring one on you. Well, this feels like weeks of of quizzing built of tension built up. Steve, <laughs> yeah. you just want to get out in this one moment. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's a great question. How many seasons has it been now? It's about five. He's been in and around the first Maybe team. Maybe in August twenty nineteen. I think yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna say uh, somewhere between sixty and sixty five. I think. I but as for starts, I don't know, but. Yeah, on the whole, 60-65, really? Zoe, I'll ask you the same question, although I I think, I mean, in one of our riveting conversations that I have, I think I, I may have asked a similar question a couple of weeks ago, so you may already know the answer. I feel like it's it's it's, it's higher, isn't it? Is it higher? It is higher. Okay. Oh, 80? Okay, well, I'm glad you've gone low, because the idea is that this is surprisingly high. He's, he's played 115 games for us. That's more than Jamie Curitan. It's more than Craig Bellamy. Um, 76 of them have been off the bench. He's the third highest appearance maker off the bench for us in our history behind um, Onel Hernandez and Paul McVeigh. Um, so I w- I'm not just going to ask you questions where the answers are numbers, Ryan. I will ask you to <laughs> uh, feel like, I should, you know, you deserve more than that. Um, but that, that sort of feels like the problem for Ida is that, and Zoe kind of made the point, but he's he's never been the number one here, has he? No, and he's never been in, in a position where he can necessarily be the number one either. Like he, he sort of got into the fold in the Premier League mainly J- January twenty twenty, shortly after that that Preston game. But then the three or four years following that, he was behind Timu Puki. And with all due respect to Adam Eder as well, if he was good enough to hit the ground running that season, I think he would have left a lot sooner than what he probably will. Um, but everything has been very stop start. For him, there's no, um, it's not a secret really. But I, I just remember he he played a little bit that January. I think he played in the Premier League against Crystal Palace. That was his Premier League debut. And then obviously we got relegated. Uh, he then got sent off very early in the pandemic season, and then got injured, and then came back, and then got injured again, and then was back in under Dean Smith, got injured again, and has just been behind Timu for the most part. Uh, and then Josh Sargent now is, is as Zoe said, the, the, the first choice there. And I don't feel like there's ever been a sustained period where Adam Eder has started enough games to really excel his his development. And I completely agree with Zoe that he, he should have got, gone out on loan a long, a long, long time ago. And I think he's someone who will probably benefit from uh, a stint away and a, and a fresh start. But my worry is the, the finances behind the deal where you've got your 
your second top goal scorer who's on a five-year contract possibly leaving for the best part of three million pounds if, if you're taking into account a loan fee perhaps but it, it's it's kind of indicative of the business the club have done recently where in the summer they sold Barley Mumba who was the league one player of the year for just over a million quid and now you've got a full international striker who's who's I, I think Anamida is a top talent who just needs to be coached well and needs to be given a, a run of games which he hasn't been afforded uh, he's going to be going for what is in the current market for a homegrown player as well is is pittance really and that's it's 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 a shame because you can then argue well maybe that that's indicative of his his lack of progression from where we expected him to be at but ultimately he's his all-round game at the moment he's probably Norwich's second best striker to one of the better second options in the championship but that is on the other hand the problem that he is essentially a second choice option and for him to develop he needs to be first choice somewhere yeah i mean i completely agree with that I think you know we we played the game earlier this season another fun numbers game you know full mm-hmm. of them on this podcast um, of how how many what's the most number of starts Ida has had in a row in his Norwich career he did have seven um under Dean Smith but um that was at the start of you know that was we we, we kind of posited that question around the time that Sergeant and Barnes got injured and said well this is his chance for a run then and he hasn't actually started more than three games in a row this season even with those two out I mean I it still feels to me like there's a striker in there there's a good striker in there but I don't think he has the trust of this manager um and whether they will kind of regret that I don't know um but I taking everything that you've said into account Zoe I would also agree with Ryan that for someone who we've got on a long-term deal feels like a, it, the, the fee feels like and of course we we don't know it may not go through of course we this is all this is all still rumor and speculation at this stage but it, it you know it feels like everybody wants this to happen as long as we can get a deal over the line it does feel like a, a low fee to me as well it does feel like a low fee it feels like a very sort of late 90s early two, 2000s kind of price tag <laughs> uh and it, yeah it does feel quite low it's difficult when you're buying promise rather than actual reality I suppose um but you know phys- like you know people will use all sorts of metrics in terms of of what they're looking for but physically you know he looks like a real <clears throat> top player um in the way that a lot of our players really <laughs> really don't tend to um <laughs> you know he's big he's strong he's powerful um, you know, when he properly looks fit as well, you know, he's had a lot of injury problems, but when he look, properly looks fit, you can really see what could be there. It's just we haven't quite seen, we've only seen those very few flashes, like that game at um, against Everton um, in the Dean Smith regime, where it kind of felt for five minutes like things might start to go right for once and uh, then they didn't. Um, but that that sort of, that game, it felt like the start of something really for Ida and then he got injured again and it, you know, it never really took off. But I think one of the, I guess one of the things with Ida as well is that he kind of comes from the Timu Puki, Cameron Jerome school of wearing his emotions all over his face. And uh, when he's sad and down in the dumps and he's lacking in confidence, you can absolutely tell that that's what he's feeling. And he really doesn't, he doesn't try and hide, hide that. And I, I think that, you know, that's where the opposition sort of can immediately get, into your head and get all over you because um it's really obvious that you're you're really struggling for confidence and 
you know, when the crowd groans at you and you visibly sort of your face falls, I think, you know, you're, you're fighting a bit of a losing battle. And I think, you know, I'd really love to see him full of confidence, full of form, properly fit and see what what goes on there. Because I don't think, barring, you know, the odd second half performance here or there, we've never really seen that. And I'm sure it's in there somewhere, but it's going to take a lot of unlocking, I think. Yeah. Um, and the confidence point is such a good one. Uh, he scored 17 for us, but only four of them have been at home. I really feel that that's the sign of someone who, I don't know, you know, and I think there have been times where he's found it difficult playing at Carrow Road, like, I, you know, just, just because I think there's an expectancy of, of that centre-forward role, and I think it kind of weighed heavy on him. So, yeah, we'll see. You know, he could still be here in a week's time um, uh, and he might still be our third choice striker. Um, he could still force his way into the team this season. You never know, but it, uh, it does look like he might be on the way out. If that is the case, Ryan, we need a new striker. Um, I suppose we'll get a new striker the way it's panning out. Are we going to see Huang back, kind of Terminator 2 style? You know, is, is he is he returning to... <laughs> to these short I mean that seems absolutely mad if that's the case uh, but that's already having binned him off this window using that logic that implies that he was very much the villain the first loan period now he's going to come back and be the good guy and save the season <laughs> but I, I I feel like if if Norwich are going to get anyone in at this late stage um, it's probably someone who on a sh- on a short-term deal perhaps because I can't imagine they've been working towards uh, a longer-term target throughout this month only to then push the deal through in the last two three days of the transfer window um but i mean i mean as as replacements go the argument is is that huang is he knows the system he knows the place a bit now but i for for reasons that might not be related to football i would not like to see him back particularly i know we can't speak much about about that but i'm i'm kind of curious as to where they're going to go with this if they're going to get a perhaps a younger guy on loan from the Premier League if there is someone who they want to take a punt on in the summer who they feel like they could get now um but then there's also the the option of uh, some of the under 21s which I'm sure we'll come on to because not many of them were involved none of them were involved at, at Liverpool but there's always this idea that when things aren't going well the next one off the conveyor belt is always the answer I rem- remember it being Ida when he first came through and it was Abu Kamara a bit last season and now it's um Canabo and I think the point to remember about those guys is is more often than not if they're ready they they will be put in you know they won't be shoved in for the sake of it and it doesn't feel like anyone's going to be shoved in for the sake of it under this regime where everyone over the age of 30 seems to be on the bench at somehow like my birth my 30th is in October so hopefully I'll get a spot on there you don't know <laughs> but I mean yeah I, I, I'm very curious as to where they're going to go but then the argument is as well is that the, the prices at this point are going to be so inflated and I don't know how much Norwich will have to play with this this January particularly if other apparent deals are, are trying to be pushed over the line as well yeah um, I mean well, at least one of our young players we hope it, that staying put Zoe or looks to be staying put is uh, is Johnny Johnny Rowe who rejected Lazio um, for reasons surely only he will know. Um, the Norfolk I mean, sunshine, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's clearly like 
as as Ryan said in our WhatsApp chat, it's it's a nice idea of everyone going off to Italy, but um, looks like looks like Rode doesn't fancy it. I may, you know, if we if we're harking back to uh, late nineties again, then um, they could always turn up on um, you know with James Richardson reading Gazzetta della Sport on a on a Sunday morning. <laughs> that would be nice to see Adam. Eden. Although Ida would look a bit sad, wouldn't he? I think to be uh, to be sat opposite Jimbo. But um, Johnny Rowe, it seems like will be here um, unless something uh, miraculous happens over the next few days, and that's a positive. Thank God. I mean, it would have taken quite something, I think, to sell Johnny Rowe this <laughs> this window. I <clears throat> I feel like maybe it's. And uh, I don't want to libel him here, but it's maybe something Stuart Webber might have done just to uh, just to further his uh, campaign against the twenty percent <laughs> potentially. <laughs> but I like no one in their right mind would sell Roe unless it was an absolutely ridiculous offer. Um, I think because the way the relationship is with the fans at the moment and the way things are going, as I've said many times on this podcast before, he's the he's the bright light and the idea of of selling him in in the January, I think would be would be a PR absolute nightmare um, for the club, especially just before season ticket renewals go out. Um, so yeah, uh, really good, and I think good for him, like to have a full season with us, show what he can do over the course of a season. And then what happens in the summer happens in the summer, I guess. And um, yeah, I don't think there's any there's there's no positives to be had in him leaving now that can't be even bigger by the time we get to the summer so i think i think it's a good decision for everyone yeah and uh you know there's no need to raise that seven million pounds to loan calvin phillips now is there because uh he's already gone to west ham so we, we don't need the money <laughs> we don't, we don't need the... I, see, I did see a very sweet and this is not norwich city content but a very sweet video of uh calvin phillips uh after signing for West Ham, doing a sort of quick fire question and answer session, and the one of the questions was, "What are you gonna? What are you most excited about uh, living in London?" And he said his answer was, "Them lights on a night," which I thought was, was beautiful. <laughs> Them lights on a night. <laughs> best bit about London um really wish it, you know you don't get that in Norwich so no uh, that may be why he chose West Ham the, the bright lights of East London you don't get them lights on a night in Norwich um unless unless you want to hit it up hit up print to Wales Road but um yeah well I'm sure we'll, Calvin wouldn't we'll, do something like that no uh, I mean who who would I wouldn't advise it um is it should, should we talk about some should we talk about some football um we we are yes. sadly i mean these are things we're not going to talk about by the way which we are now going to talk about just, um yeah it's uh I, it's my sad duty to report that we're not going to be winning the fa cup this year um norwich city succumbed to premier league leaders liverpool in uh, in vaguely entertaining fashion um a 5-2 defeat as i'm sure everyone's aware it's the most goals they've conceded in a cup game since 1995 when they lost 5-0 to everton um Ryan, I, you know, I'm going to say this was a result I think we all saw coming. I don't like to brag, but I, I, <laughs> I wasn't that confident going into this one. Um, against the best team in the country right now. Um, well, in, in so far as the top of the Premier League, uh, was was this a good way to lose? Uh, scoring twice, conceding five? I don't, don't quite know how to view it. Um, no, but <laughs> not, not necessarily in the sense that because they conceded five, it was more the manner of which they they did it, which is the story of the season. Um, really strange 
setup again. Like I, I kind of, I don't understand it, it. This kind of mentality of it's a free, it, it's a free hit. They're very good. Let's kind of not the out of our own half. Or let's try and get out of our own own half and not almost. It was it just it didn't make much sense to me. Um, the way Norris tried to play out from the back and the fact they kept trying it time and time again and it just didn't work without switching anything was, was kind of frustrating and it, it didn't feel like they sort of went into it like it was a free hit i think they paid liverpool way too much respect at times um and, and i know liverpool made some changes and then later on they brought on some of their their big guns and and even the younger players in that team were probably good enough to play at the championship level but um even then i still felt that norwich paid them far too much respect and and going forward again um it felt like a, a lot of it particularly with borja sign's goal was just down to individual quality rather than the the setup lending itself well to how norwich wanted to play and you know i mean the first goal is, is from a set piece as well and they're arguably the best chance you're going to get to score in a in a game like this if you choose to set up the way we did um and, and I and I feel as well that there's only a few players in our team who you could really see that as an opportunity to gauge their their level. You know the likes of Gabriel Sauer and maybe uh, Nunez uh, as well. But ultimately, I feel I feel like it it was a really even in the circumstances a really disappointing performance, uh, a really poor lead up to it and. Yeah, for, for those fans who would have paid God knows how much, near on 80 quid to go up and, and see that, it's a bit of a, a a kick in the teeth, really. Yeah, it was it was one of those in the first half where I was kind of messaging at the same time as watching the game. And I felt like every time I looked up, uh, Marcelino Nunez had given the ball away in a ridiculous position. And somehow I don't think, I don't think any of the goals we conceded were, were from him giving the ball away. Um was this sort of tactical suicide or was it worth a go, Zoe? I mean, I'll give Wagner a bit more credit in that, and this might be giving too much credit, that I suppose by practising against the best pressing team, arguably in Europe, um, it, it then makes maybe your championship games when you're up against teams who can't press as well slightly easier. I mean, that that might be a real stretch, but it, it, did, it, it did seem like we were asking for a lot of trouble. <laughs> It certainly did seem like we were asking for a lot of trouble. I think the the weird thing about it, I suppose, in terms of... I don't know. I suppose, to echo what Ryan said, the team selection sort of having sort of the older players and the players that had kind of been there, done that, um, it kind of felt like they were maybe going into it with the same vim and vigour that some of us fans were going into it with. with they're like, <laughs> oh, we've all been there done that conceded a million goals at Anfield great like let's just get this over with and crack on with the rest of the season like you see that uh science you know coming on and he just had a you know he had a crack he was clearly really enjoying the opportunity to play like his Instagram post post match is like I'll never forget this day and you kind of think god have we all got so jaded with this idea of like playing the big teams because the last few years have really kind of got to us that even the play, some of the players kind of are just like, uh, I guess on damage limitations from the start, forget about what we might have to offer and only sort of deal with what the opposition are bringing. Um, but 
yeah some of the some of the <laughs> some of the passing was just so bad that it was just like and and you know sometimes you think oh well you know you'd got away with that in the championship and you know that's the you know that's the difference between a top premier league side so i mean some of that i I, I would not like to disparage the championship so much that you wouldn't assume that the cha- most good championship clubs wouldn't have jumped on that and taken advantage of it. It was just a bit lazy in parts, which, again, I don't know, just plays to the idea that we were there as a support act to the entire thing and um, maybe not enough people were sort of had that kind of I really want to go and see what I can do against and these guys. Um, so yeah, it was a bit disappointing. Been watching the cricket for most of the day, and it, that had been so intensely exciting. And then watching Norwich City on terrestrial television lose five two to Liverpool <laughs> really did take the edge off. So I can't say it was my favourite sporting event of of the day. And I just I don't know. We've, we've built up such a nice piece of momentum in the league and. I think we'll probably go on to talk about the Leeds game, but the last few league, league games, it's really felt like things are starting to warm up a little bit. Um, it's just, it was just a shame that that had to happen. <laughs> like all of it had to happen, that we had to beat Bristol Rovers and that we had to do that and it went like it did. Um, I don't think it's helped us at all with the rest of the league season. And And I guess like rightly or wrongly um and you know it might play out that we win on saturday and on all of this kind of um you know in the long run it works out but um i guess leaving out your first choice goalkeeper and your first choice striker is a bit of a tacit admission of we're not really expecting anything here so let's just give it a go and that was kind of how we approached it i think i think my favorite moment of all the goals we conceded was um when kenny you know, like when you're playing on FIFA and you accidentally, you know, you change player and you control someone who you don't mean to control. And they just sort of pelt it up the pitch and you're like, oh, I didn't want that to happen. That was what I felt Kenny was doing with that press for the second goal. I was like, who, who is that? And I, I think the attempt was to push up and anticipate a pass that didn't come. And obviously they then, you know, Bradley then played it to Nunez and they just walked in. I think that felt like the most catastrophic of the five goals we conceded. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I don't know if I'm misremembering any of the others. Um, perhaps Ben Gibson's header for the third as well. Um, but I mean, uh, I know you, you talked about the joy of science's strike, Zoe. What what a goal. I mean, God, he hits the ball hard, doesn't he? Bloody hell. That's the power of that little beard, isn't it? That's clearly uh, where all of his power's coming from. He, uh, yeah, it was, it was really nice. You knew he was going to have, he was going to try and have a shot. Like, why, like, absolutely, why not? He seems keen to, yeah, really, imp- like, he's, he, he seems to, keen to impress, I think. Um, and he works really hard. And yeah, it's nice to see him getting some success I think he's since he's come into the team we have looked a better team um it's really interesting that he didn't get a crack earlier um because it's hard to see how any of our other wingers get in there ahead of him um because he's got the talent he's got that sort of extra bit of creativity that some of the other wingers are lacking so yeah it was really really nice for him and really nice for Ben Gibson as well to to score his yeah. first goal which 
is like madness to me. <laughs> I can't believe it's his first goal. Um, but yeah, I feel like he's um, that game where he came back from injury and he got booed on when he came on as a substitute for no apparent reason. And uh, then it turned out he'd actually, you know, been in hospital with his new, like his premature baby that week. And it just, I, I felt a big, a lot of sympathy for Ben Gibson uh, during that time because it felt very unnecessary. So it was nice seeing him get a bit of something to celebrate. Then obviously he did make one of that goals. <laughs> so that, that didn't help. Um, but yeah, it's nice to nice to see a bit of smiling Gibson because we don't see that very often either. Yeah, and it looked like it meant a lot to him. Yeah, the, the highs and lows of being a centre-back uh, at Anfield, a Norwich City centre-back at Anfield. So at least he got the high. Um, I guess the science goal would have only been topped by Barnes, Ashley Barnes scoring from the centre circle, Ryan. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it was a nothing moment in the game, really, but um, just the sheer audacity of um, of Ashley Barnes thinking he could score from inside his own half at Anfield. I, what a moment. What a moment in the season. I'm sure we'll look back on it with great fondness. <laughs> I, I I disagree. I don't think it was a nothing moment. I had a lot of fun watching watching that. I was sat at, ironically, at rehearsals for my Buttons gig and I had it on my phone and was watching and I sort of pulled a face, like I sort of winced and then just laughed and it felt like snot came out of my nose, like a proper like snort, a snort laugh. And my partner, who's in the, in the panther as well, turned around and went, what? And I just went, he shouldn't have done that. And it's, it's just, it's just... It's, it's it's the audacity of Allison to kind of go, what are you playing at? And sort of chest it down and just carry on like nothing had happened. And it like it it reminded me a lot of like the the, the crossbar challenge at Carrow when you see these people <laughs> rock up and sort of <laughs> scuff it and it sort of dips into the bottom corner and it kind of gave that energy. And nothing would ever beat his face afterwards where he just sort of went like I had no choice, the lads. <laughs> and they're like, well, uh, well I, th I think you did, Ashley. I think you did, but we'll carry on. But yeah, oh dear. If that, if that summed up a season, I think that moment was, was certainly it. Or oh, oh, was it Sarah that tried to backheel it uh, back, back heel it through someone's legs in our own penalty area. Oh. Was that someone's? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was another that high, was... a real high point. <laughs> that was... <laughs> yeah, that was very, that was sort of like Harlem Globetrotter stuff. But if the Harlem Globetrotters just weren't very good, just like does, the whole game did feel a little bit like when you play against like your nan at FIFA or something. You give her for the controller for the first time, and she just doesn't know what's going on. Like, so is that the shoot button? Yeah, and just shoots from halfway, and nothing happens, or just like <laughs> mashing it to clear it, and then doing like skills and travellers in the box, and then Kenny runs off because her control is disconnected. It's like what a what a what a day, what a day for everyone. Champagne yeah. football for a lemonade team. That's where, that's where we are. <laughs> Uh, or yeah, or, or like at kind of the end of a six aside game where everyone's just kind of given up and gone. Well, you know, we're probably going to lose at this point, so let's see if I can back heel this through the opposition players' legs in front of my own goal. Why not? It doesn't matter <laughs> at this stage. Um, can anyone can anyone remember the kind of longest range goal that a Norwich City player scored? I, I mean, I can never remember anyone scoring from anywhere near inside their own half. Um, I think Wes scored one maybe against. Forest at home in that game where we kind of smashed them 5-1 and Johnny Housen scored that volley. Yeah, um, that was from a long way out, wasn't it? Yeah. The, the Safri goal against Newcastle. The Safri goal, yes, which oh, gets brilliant. further and further away every time I, I see it. 
I've got, I've got a really a really sad one which has just popped in my brain um uh, Simon Lappin against Cardiff, I think, when Peter Grant was still in charge. I remember yes. whoever was in goal kind of shanked a clearance and Lappin was probably not quite halfway, but certainly on the left-hand side, about 40, 45 yards out and just had to punt it into an open net. And to be fair, did. So there's there's that one. Um, yeah, Safri's, I think, is the one that stands out most for me, though. But I can't think of any, any others. That's a really good one, actually, the Lappin. He's the kind of, I think... I would have backed him to have scored from the centre circle. He was just one of those who he'd, he'd try it and he'd have the ability to do it. There was a lot that maybe he couldn't do quite as well, <laughs> but um, stick it on his left foot and uh, yeah, what a what a player. Um, I don't don't think he'd fit in this four four two somehow, but um, yeah, I'd completely forgotten that goal. Um, the coverage. Let's talk about ITV. Um, I mean, it obviously we were spared. Um, you know, thank God for the uh, horrific scenes of violence in West Bromwich. Otherwise, it would have been a clop loving for for a good half an hour. Um, but before the game, when uh, Ian Wright said that Adam Eden needed to take his chance, despite the fact that he wasn't starting, <laughs> that really set the tone for me. Confused me so much that that comment. I was like, "What did I miss something?" When I was, you know, I, I, oh goodness. And he'd also he'd clearly put all of his preparation eggs in a Johnny Rowe basket as well because he was just like Johnny Rowe <laughs> he's not playing <laughs> it's like clearly like he was geared up to at least give us 30 <laughs> seconds on Johnny Rowe um maybe maybe he knew that Adam Eder was off to uh Verona and like just you know he he was in the know of that transfer so whatever <laughs> happened he needed to take his chance otherwise he's off um I do normally like Ian right as well for the for the record yeah it's just it was just quite fun and then we had I think they started the commentary and Lucy Ward was like and Norwich, they're doing okay in the league. Most of their good players aren't playing. <laughs> that was basically <laughs> how we started with that. Um, and then I did t- I did tweet this, and uh, and and maybe I was being unnecessarily bad tempered because of the whole you know losing at Anfield okay. situation. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I did get quite riled up by uh, Laura Woods in the background uh, applauding one of uh, maybe Liverpool's third I can't third or fourth I can't remember which which it was and then anything oh you know they didn't show her when science scored maybe she was applauding that as well um potentially but then uh they show I think Liverpool were making a substitution she was clapping the substitution as well uh I I think by that point I think I'd had had enough um I you know I know we're not that we weren't the main event of that situation but I think a little bit more uh, respect potentially for championship club. You know, you almost think that if we were a division lower or two divisions lower, they'd have made far a far bigger deal. And it was almost like it was sort of in that nowhere land where people have kind of heard of us, but they don't care about us. So why bother? Why bother mentioning us? And yeah, I, I'm sure in the grand scheme of things, it was just me getting a little bit upset, but it, it did feel a bit like we were an afterthought to that coverage. I don't, I don't think it helped that it looked like, I mean, if you, if you hadn't seen the start of the game, you'd have thought that Ian Wright had joined Liverpool's coaching staff. It literally <laughs> looked like it was just that. Right? Like, Is Ian Wright Liverpool's new set-piece coach or something? Uh, it, 
they were lit, it just seemed like they were just sat right behind him. But um, I was half expecting, you know, Robbie Fowler to stand up and start whispering in Klopp's ear or something. But um, it didn't happen. Um, yes, you're right. We weren't the main event and maybe we just need to get over it. But um, yeah, a, a little bit more thought would have been nice. Um, I, I don't know if there's anything else to add to the Liverpool game, really, beyond the fact that we lost. There were lots of goals and ITV were rubbish. So, um, Leeds... Um, it felt like we played okay in this one, Ryan. It was sort of the opposite of what we've been doing for a lot of the season, which was the performance was quite good, but we didn't really take the chances that we had. or We, we kind of got in good positions and, and didn't do that much with it. So it was a sort of weird feeling of, um, yeah, maybe we are doing all right, but um, but the result didn't come, which, yeah, it's just, after the fluky wins we've had, felt like a slightly odd sensation. Yeah, I, I mean, th- throughout the whole game, I can only think of one big chance Norwich really created, and that was Sarah literally on the stroke of half time. When I, I, I think to his, to his, I say to his credit, sticking up for him a bit, uh, it, it's on his weaker side, and as the cross comes in, there are two or three players jumping for it, so his vision's going to be a bit obstructed. But to be honest with you, I, we spoke on the pod last week about how poor Daniel Farker's teams are at pressing, and I wondered if if they sort of looked. Leeds looked at that and went, well, Norwich's system at the moment is pretty much based around teams trying to press them and Norwich playing through it. So we'll just let them have the ball. You know, I remember during the second half, there was a period of play where, where Norwich saw a lot of it in like the the first the first half of the second half and some of the crowd were getting on Leeds' back a bit. But to be honest with you, I didn't feel at any at that point that even though Norwich were were in control of possession. They never really felt in control of the game. It kind of felt a lot like Leeds going, okay, well, you want us to press you. We won't. We'll drop back a, a, into a low block and we'll see if we can hit you on the break. And that's how two or three of their chances came. I think some Somerville had a, had a chance uh, so, like, literally as soon as Norwich's big spell of possession ended. And it was kind of like, well, that's that's that done then, really. Like, that's that's the game, how it's going to pan out through for the rest of it and lo and behold that's that is what happened um leads leads are an interesting one though i i thought they reminded me a lot of da- sort of daniel farker's first season with us where you can see what they're trying to do but they they're sort of half baked and there there is more gears they can go through the difference is is that they have a far better quality of play than what he did for us 6 years ago christ 6 years ago now blooming hell <laughs> um but yeah, I, I feel like they they didn't really have to go through too many gears, and, and Norwich kind of proved what we we've been saying for the longest time that the, the the system doesn't really lend itself to do anything other than one thing, and that is try and bait people into a quick turnover and going direct with it. And, and as soon as a team chooses to sit off you and has the attacking talent to hit you on the break, then that's that's pretty much how they're going to set up the whole the whole game. And, and as soon as Patrick Bamford scored that kind of felt like there was only going to be one outcome and that was a 1-0 a, a really. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the Fark ball that we remember really, was it? So, I mean, it wasn't the, the the classic, if you can call it that, that we had at Carrow Road against them this season, but um, Leeds did enough, I guess. Yeah, um, although I, you know, I, I do think that we, we played quite well and there's always a risk, you know, the week of pumpings that there was a big risk risk that we would go there and get thrashed. I think, you know, plenty of teams have gone there and got thrashed this season. 
Um, it's certainly not beyond us to go away, away to Elland Road and get thrashed. We didn't do that. Um, and we had some really good spells um, during the game. And I actually thought the overall performance in terms of the full 90 minutes was one of the most consistent that we've had for for the whole season. It was weird that period straight after halftime where we did have a lot of the ball. You can tell that we're not used to that because it, it felt like they didn't actually know what to do in that situation. And it, it, it almost sort of ground to a halt a little bit because we had the ball, but didn't. Yeah, the, the kind of yeah, the attacking thrust wasn't particularly uh, visible. Um but, you know, Farker said, and maybe this is his internal bias, that we were one of the best mm-hmm. teams that's rocked up at Ellen Road this season. We did quieten down the supporters. I think they were worried for a bit. If we'd have nicked a goal uh, after that, you know, that decent spell in the second half, I'm not sure anyone would have questioned it as a result. And if we'd have got a point, um, it's a shame we didn't. But the fact that, you know, I think you also can't say that we didn't deserve to lose because we clearly showed why we lost because we didn't create enough chances and we didn't score. Um, so, you know, sort of, again, take away the stupid old trip to Anfield and like we're coming <laughs> into the game against Coventry thinking, well, we're playing all right. We've had some decent results. We've only lost once, once all calendar year. And that was at Leeds where we didn't get hammered. Everyone's thinking, you know, we're pushing towards the playoffs here and, and maybe that is going to happen. But it just, yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame, as I keep saying. Shall, it's a terrible shall shame. we just cut out all the discussion we had about Liverpool? Let's just cut it out of the podcast. I'll edit it out after, after you know, I've got some editing to do anyway. It's fine. Um, <laughs> the uh, Well, the, just quickly going back to the Sarah miss, actually, that, that I think was the most interesting thing for me was it's the first time that I can, I think it maybe has happened before this season where Sarah played in the 10 and he played, he didn't play 4-4-2. And obviously the performance, you know, I think, as we've said, the performance was better, but we didn't have the cutting edge. And and it's interesting that, you know, people saying, well, Sarah needs to play further up. And, you know, this is one instant and he could have easily tucked that away. So I'm probably reading too much into this, but he didn't take the chance, right? He didn't take the chance that otherwise wouldn't have come to him because he wouldn't have been in that position. Um, so, I, you know, I, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say other than it probably meant that we had more control by adding more players into midfield, which I think is what a lot of fans want. But it did mean that we didn't score which by and large most games this season we have managed to do so um I think it probably comes back to that whole Wagner may never ever quite get the balance right but um yeah certainly some positives to be taken from our uh, week of mini pumpings um <laughs> Maidstone do we have anything to add on them other than ha 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 well done well done to them well done well done and yeah really great yellow card for diving as well really enjoyed that uh i I missed that i missed the yellow card what um what what was it was it a maidstone player that got booked no it was an ipswich player that got booked and uh they were absolutely convinced that they should have had a penalty um it was it was a big old dive like they looked at it from about 10 different angles on match of the day and I think that they concluded it was it was the right decision but they Ipswich were very upset about it which you know made it better <laughs> <laughs> as a uh, as a stats enthusiast Steve and, and Zoe too obviously I, I I want to read you the match stats from the game because oh, it yes, is yes. um Please do. it is Beautiful. the most it is the most 
uh, what I call the most FM thing ever, and it's laptop <laughs> out of the window stuff. So uh, possession in Ipswich's favour was 78% to 22 over the course of the game, Ipswich had 38 shots, 13 on target, whilst Maidstone had two shots, two on target. Uh, it was 11 corners to zero and eight fouls to five. But it was, it's just about being clinical, right? Take your chances. I mean, chef's kiss that's, that's, to all of that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely it's glorious. Cool. Absolutely glorious. And one for the uh, there's only one stat that matters uh, brigade as well, which, you know, sometimes there really is only one stat that matters. Um, I absolutely love the footage of um, George Alakobi standing around the Maidstone fans as they found out that they'd got Sheffield Wednesday or Coventry as well. Like, oh. like he was <laughs> witnessing an atrocity on the lot or some massive injustice and not some balls had been drawn out of a bag. Like, it just looked absolutely furious. Fantastic. Mm. Um, anyway, um, speaking of Coventry, uh, let's, uh, let's look ahead. This is almost fantasy football. Always comes around way too quickly. That uh, that thing. Um, yes, that that mini unbeaten run, as uh, Zoe said, seems like a distant memory now. Um, but Norwich City are at least unbeaten at Carrow Road in the last seven. Uh, their longest run at home in nearly three years. Who would have thought? Um, but Coventry's uh, current run is a little bit better than that. They're the visitors, uh, sixth place in the league and unbeaten in eleven in all competitions. Um, I only found out tonight that they actually play Bristol City at home tomorrow. Um, so. Tuesday, if you're listening to this um, on a day that's not Monday, which you probably are. Um, and uh, if they win that one, they'll be five points clear of us. So if they beat us, uh, well, you do the maths, eight points, which is quite a gap. Um, and Ryan, I guess that makes this one a little bit like the West Brom game the other week feel quite important, really. Yeah, I mean, each game just gets bigger and bigger, doesn't it? Look, look I mean, the advantage is that Norwich are not at home and at the start of the season, when we went to Coventry, I do I do feel like we certainly first half were 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 pretty good, and then it just slowly disintegrated into into nothing. But the Coventry are a strange one because the last two or three years they they seem to have been around the bottom, and every time you check the table, they're sort of oh, are they going to be in a relegation fight? And then you blink, and then all of a sudden they're in the top six. Um, I I think they've looked really good recently, especially the win over Leicester. I thought they were excellent. Um, but yeah, it, it's a it's a huge game, and I think without sounding too pessimistic, if should what you uh, the potential scenario you've raised there happens, I, I feel like that might be playoffs done for this this season. So it, it, it's without doubt the biggest game of of the campaign, and, and a lot of it does hinge on tomorrow night as well. I feel like if Coventry win that game, they'll be coming here with their tails up, and they might want to sit back and frustrate Norwich and, and play out for for that point, but. Equally as well, if if they don't win, then it's a one game swing to catch them, you know. And it's it's not just the fact of a big game like the West Brom game where you you winning to catch up on the deficit. You have a chance to potentially overtake Coventry, and that's another you know another place up the rankings and a another team getting dragged down. And it's all it's all exciting, isn't it? But I, I think anything less than a than a win on Saturday from a Norwich perspective is a is a really really damning and, and can shape the whole season. Yeah, and you know, like form obviously is is very temporary, and commentary on form at the moment. But I I wonder if they, I, I feel like they seem like they're on an upward trajectory, and it might be for us West Brom are the ones to catch if we're going to. Um, but on on the plus side for next weekend, Zoe Sargent should be back. Um, Johnny Rowe and his broken hand could oh. be back. Um, 
I feel like I say this every single week now, but he's quite an important player for us. So let's <laughs> hope he plays. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, yeah, and Gunn should be back as well. Although, uh, yeah. you know, George Long was not the worst thing about yesterday's game. So no. you know, that's got to be a, a step step up for him in terms of his appraisal. Or a step season. down for us. <laughs> <laughs> down for the rest of them. You're worse than George Long, guys. <laughs> He's set a bar and you need to be above that bar. Um, <laughs> no, um, yeah, it's a, bit, it's a big game. You know, Coventry have done so well. I think Mark Robbins is such an underrated um, manager. Mm. They sold their best two players last year. They're, they're two creative outlets and they're still in basically the same position as they were last time and um, yeah, I, I, I guess he's he's the type of man that probably looks quite unfashionable, I think, in terms of uh, of him being sort of, you know, your attractive option for your next coach. But he's done such a good job there and it's nice to see an ex-Norwich player doing so well. And um, hopefully he um, has nothing to celebrate on Saturday and, and we win. Um, but yeah, it's, it is a, it is a very big game. And hopefully, you know, we seem to have been responding to some of that big game energy recently. So, you know, there's no reason why we can't do that again uh, and and wipe clean all memory of Sunday. <laughs> yeah, that's the main thing. It's just we need to forget all about Sunday. Um, I, I think I heard somewhere recently, well, I did hear recently someone say that Mark Robbins looks like someone uh, sh- has shaved a bear and now I can't unsee it. It's just such an accurate <laughs> description. Of what Straight on Google. <laughs> <laughs> um, while you're Googling that, Ryan, I will ask uh, the uh, the question to Zoe then. Uh, results. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, yeah. That was the reaction of a man seeing uh, a Mark Robbins bear lookalike. Unless he googled shaved bear and thought, yes, that does look like Mark Robbins, (laughs) which could have been the right way around it happened. (laughs) Yeah, it could could have been. It's like one of those kind of circus bears that you used to see. Um, That's that's where I would come from. And, you know, surrounded by clowns on Saturday. So uh, maybe (laughs) maybe that will be that will be apt. Um, School predictions then. Zoe, what do you think? 5 nil, uh, I'd have thought. Cool, okay. I don't know why I asked, really. I knew exactly where I was going. went a million miles off with the West Brom result when you called that one, to be fair. Ryan, um, any advance on 5 nil? Um, I don't know now. I just want Mark Robbins to turn up in a little red hat and a blue raincoat on Saturday to look like a shaved Paddington. Um, oh, uh, Okay, if, if if Johnny Rowe plays, I'll say 2-1. If he's not, then I will go for one all. Okay, that's slightly slightly more sobering. Who knows? Zoe may be closer. Um I I feel I feel one like day I'll be right. Yeah. <laughs> one day I'll be right. One day we will score five again. Um yeah, I don't feel like it's gonna be any time soon though. Um we are actually off uh, on a long break after this one um, because I'm off on a long break. So uh, we won't be back until the first weekend of March. Um, I, I believe that's right anyway, unless uh, somebody else is uh, taking us on. Um, we'll probably be at least third by the time you get back, which is quite exciting. Well, that was, that was going to be my question is, is where, <laughs> will, well, my actual question was going to be, will we still be in the playoff hunt at that stage? But you, you've taken that on a notch and gone, we'll be in the automatic hunt by that stage. Um I mean that'll be six more six more games. Um so you know, hope hope you don't all miss us too much. Um but yeah, uh 
I mean, I'm asking you to look way off into the future. I'm not 100% sure what games we've got, but um, long term, I mean, I suppose, Ryan, we kind of covered it last week and I think you were less confident of us getting the playoffs. But um, Zoe, do you think, as you take a big sip of your yes, juice? We're still going to be in the hunt. I mean, it felt like it all fell apart roughly at this point last year. We're very much sort of it's hanging quite finely in the balance, isn't it, about whether this season's going to be uh, something that we're playing for or whether it's just going to go the way of last season. I think, um, yeah, a win on Saturday is incredibly crucial, I think, for for positive vibes around the place. Um, I think there's been a real creeping in. I felt after we beat West Brom and there was it was quite emotional. I think the kind of fan reaction to it, the sort of swell of on the ball city and yellows uh, sort of around the ground. It kind of felt like the that was sort of a, a bit of uh, kindness creeping in from some of the people that had, mm. had been, have been quite tough, probably quite rightly on <laughs> at times uh, on the players and, it real it really felt like perhaps there was a, a thawing of of things. Um but they need to keep that, you know, that can't be a one game thing. That's got to be a, a consistent level of performance, especially at home, where, you know, the vast majority of fans are watching us. Um and yeah, I, I do think if we can try and get a bit whip up a bit of momentum, being the team that's coming from sort of lower down on on that upward trajectory I think is is quite a good place to be in if you can really hit form at the right time we've got we have got the players to do it it just needs to a lot of things need to click in to place for it to happen we've also got the players and the setup to to do very much the opposite of that so you know it's quite exciting not knowing what's going to happen um it's quite difficult to predict um because it really could go both ways but it that you know something something exciting could could really happen um but it needs to start happening consistently and soon i would say and that's all we need and um that was very much a let's take it one game at a time answer which i think is the most sensible answer to a ridiculous how are we going to do over <laughs> the next six games question so uh, very nicely put um I think um, we are over the looking forward stage. So we're going to have a little look back, I believe, um, in what we're going to call, well, we might as well just start dubbing now, Kenny Other Quizness. Um, so that was my teaser for your quiz, Ryan. And uh, please take it away and give us the details. Thank you very much. So on Sunday, Norwich City got knocked out of the FA Cup. So I thought we'd delve back into the history of the competition to times where Norwich have been a bit more successful and maybe not as successful as well. So I will need buzzers again from you two. So quickly on the spot, Zoe, what is your buzzer? Honk. Nice. Steve? Um, I will go for... <laughs> a good I know start. what I'm going for. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> nice. nice. Fantastic. Alrighty. Question number one. How many times have Norwich City reached the semi finals of the competition? How many times have Norwich City reached the semi finals of the FA Cup? Honk. 
Mm-hmm. Twice. Go ahead, Zoe. Twice. <gasps> twice is wrong. Uh, you are um, frozen out, Steve, with a chance to steal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll go. Uh, do I still need to buzz? I. I'll just say yes. Okay. Only, be- only because you've said your buzzer and I liked it, so you have to do it now. Okay. What are we doing? Um, <laughs> three. Correct. <sighs> it's three times. <laughs> Sunderland. Again, uh, they lost to Sunderland in 92, Everton in 89, and Luton in 59. Now, it's fair to say that, oh, I only knocked my lamp over there. But Steve cut that out as well. <laughs> <laughs> High drama. Of the uh, That's the best bit so far. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair to say that Sunday's outcome was to be expected, but when was the last time Norwich knocked out a team from the division above? In the FA Cup. In the FA Cup. This took a lot of research. You will both be proud of me. Do, do you want a year? I honestly have absolutely... It's got yeah, to be a long just time ago. It's, a long, it's got to be a long time ago. It is. Will you long... accept that? <laughs> it's, <not>. <laughs> <laughs> it's correct. It was a long time ago. Days of yore. <laughs> uh, days of yore. I'm not even sure I could so... give you a decade, let alone a. Uh, is it 80s? Yes, it is in the 80s, but I will not accept the answer unless you honk in. Oh, sorry. Um, okay. okay, I will honk. Oh, no, what am I doing? Uh, what, what, what am I doing? <laughs> what are we doing? Um, <laughs> 1984. Incorrect. You were frozen out, Zoe. Go on for a while. 1986. No, it's open again for buzzers. You're you're getting what we doing? Oh Oh, no. Okay. (laughs) 82. Correct. There we go. Wow. Uh, it was 1982 away to Stoke City when Norwich were in the old Division 2 and Stoke were in Division 1. That's amazing. God, I'll have to remember that one if it if it ever happens again. That's, there we go. That's some, so yeah, some, bad, some isn't it? Appalling. <laughs> yeah, it's like 42 years ago now. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, slightly kinder this time. When was the last time Norwich knocked out a team who were only above them so they can be in the same division? This one is much more recent. What are we doing? Mm-hmm. Um, Wolves away. Kenny scored a header. Is it then? Co- correct. That is correct. It was Wolves. It was Wolves in the 21-22 season. Of course, Kenny McLean scored in the fourth round. Norwich then went on to play in the next round. Liverpool. Is it Liverpool? No. Co- it is indeed. Oh. Now, the next question is two points on offer. I need the score of that Liverpool game and who scored for Norwich. What are we doing? <laughs> I think it was 2 1 to Liverpool, and I think Rip scored for us. Oh, Steve, stop it. It does. <laughs> yes. It does help when you've been looking at a spreadsheet of these things. I don't I mean, have a you know. spreadsheet. I apparently don't even have it. I think I've blocked these seasons out of my, <laughs> my mind. You've blocked Lucas Rip out of your any mind. Any trip to any any game against Liverpool, I think I, I blank out of my mind. I can never but yes, remember. We've, we've blanked yesterday's game out, so I don't think, you know, we haven't got much chance of uh, <laughs> FA Cup game two years ago, to be fair. 
That is correct, though. It finished Nor uh, Liverpool 2, Norwich City 1. Uh, Minamino scored twice for Liverpool and Lucas Rupp pulled one back for Norwich in the second half, but to little avail. Okay, next up. In 2009, Norwich wore commemorative shirts for the 50th anniversary of the 59 Cup run. But can you tell me who they played against in those shirts? Punk. Zoe. Paulton Rovers. Incorrect. You're a year out. <gasps> 2009. What are we doing? Um, Charlton? <laughs> Correct, Steve. Yes, Norwich drew 1-1 at the Valley wearing those shirts. Then the replay at Carroll Road a few days later, and I believe it was a Darren Ambrose goal that meant Norwich were knocked out, and that was the end of Glenn, Glenn Roder's tenure as Norwich manager. Alrighty, the score is currently Steve six, Zoe nil. It's very much. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not. I'm Norwich City at Anfield. <laughs> exactly, it's a repeat of Sunday. It's a repeat of Sunday. Uh, you were talking up a five nil, Zoe. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm Ipswich against Maidstone United. This is terrible. <laughs> here, here is a chance for your Borja oh. signs esque screamer, Zoe. Yeah. Alrighty. Norwich's record attendance for a game was in the FA Cup against Leicester in 1963. But can you tell me to the nearest hundred what the attendance was? <laughs> I mean, oh god! I'll, I'll I'll let you have the first guess. How's that? Oh no! Do you want to go first? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing? I mean, <laughs> guessing attendance is I the love... nearest hundred. I mean, maybe closest closest answer wins. Or, um, I yeah, think we could literally be here all night. I will say something like thirty-five thousand two hundred. Let's go with that. Okay, go on, Zoe. I was going to go forty-three thousand six hundred. I already feel that's probably better than mine. Oh, Zoe. That is that is a Bull Hassan's top 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 bin screamer. The Ooh. actual attendance is forty three thousand nine hundred and eighty four. Oh. You're so close. I mean, I forgive that, myself that for deserves... the rest of this quiz because that was yeah that was good right that was good. That probably deserves seven points to be honest. <laughs> <I> think, <you laughs> Okay, there's only two more questions. Don't worry, guys. I'm having so much fun. What I really enjoy about these is when everyone descends into madness and gets more frustrated as it goes on. And it's just it's just it's just the kick I get at this point. Uh what is Norwich City's biggest ever win in the FA Cup? I just need the oh, score. Oh, um what's my thing? What are we doing? What what are we doing? Um was it when we beat Sutton United 8-0? Yes, that is correct. It was the biggest uh, victory in 1989 at home to Sutton United. But can you tell me what the biggest defeat is in the FA Cup? So to give you a clue, it's 40 odd years ago again, but it's a scoreline that would not look out of place in 2024. Oh, God. Uh, I mean, let's say, what are we doing? Let's say we lost 6-2. So very close, but you are locked out. Zoe, would you like a stab? Seven two. So six, six, close one. again. <laughs> Even closer. It is in fact uh six nil and it was away at Manchester City in nineteen eighty one. Yeah, I mean I, I think if we played away at Manchester City in twenty twenty four that would get broken, you know. But um Yeah. Who knows? So the the scores on the doors are, I believe, Steve seven, Zoe one in a true FA Cup humbling. <laughs> um, 
Well, I mean, I I still think that the most impressive answer was Zoe's one, though. So that was the book. Yeah. I'm concentrating on the league, so it's absolutely fine. Yeah. <laughs> Zoe Zoe just um just played too much, played out from the back too much with, uh, with some of our <laughs> I did I did do some lovely cushion headers uh, just to knock on down to help you to finish in the. <laughs> I think the first answer literally was a cushion and I would have said exactly the same as you. So you set me up nicely. Um, Ryan, fantastic job as ever. Thank you for the prep. Thank you for the facts. Um, I mean, yeah, we've all come away from that a lot wiser, even if only two of us were made to look fairly stupid. But we we do very much appreciate it. Um, And that is all, I think, for today's On The Ball, uh, the Norwich City podcast that has uh, come around to Stuart Webber's way of thinking, maybe going on holiday for a crucial part of the season isn't such a bad idea after all. Uh, He's coming for us. He's coming for us with that libel suit. Um, Please make sure you subscribe to On The Ball if you haven't already, uh, even if you are Stuart Webber. Um, It's free on your usual player. Just search On The Ball Norwich City on your preferred social platform. Ratings and reviews wherever prompted are always hugely appreciated. And if you want to get in touch with any questions, I guess you'd probably better send me a direct message on Twitter at NCFC Numbers. A big thank you to our guest tonight. Firstly, Ryan, who for the tape is trying to put me off with a picture of Stuart Webber. Um... (laughs) But <laughs> I will say, nonetheless, despite the the rampant unprofessionalism that's going on <laughs> in the background, thank you, Ryan, and thank you for the quiz as ever. No, thank you very much for having me. Thank you very much. Enjoy your break. Thank you so much, um, and uh, in- enjoy your on the ball break. Um, it's, it's a break for us all. Um, and Zoe, uh, thank you. Looking forward to that five nil coming in um, on Saturday. You'll thank me when it happens, and thanks for having I will. me. Yeah, lump, lumps of money on it is what I would advise. Um, so, yes, um, you won't hear us again until March. And who knows what the landscape might look like by then. But thank you for listening. Um, I promise we will be back for the extended run in. And until then, never mind the danger. Never mind the danger.